Well, uh, good to see you today. We're going to be talking about a very familiar story that um, I think most people have heard. It's a story of Jericho and marching around Jericho. But I want to want to do today is I want to bring some application that you're going to find valuable in your personal life and in your business life. Because, you know, a lot of times we don't think about the Bible being a book of business and guidance for wisdom in terms of how we can operate our financial world, our business world, our corporate world. But uh, a lot of the men in the church take some of the notes that I will share on this level, and they'll take them right to corporate. We had one guy last week that did his corporate training with my sermon from two weeks ago. Now think about that. Now what they do is they sanitize it for the corporate world. That means they take the scriptures out, take the principles, and then everybody is just kind of lulled into excitement because they go, wow, where'd you get this stuff? And, uh, you know, that's the cool thing about the Bible. God is really concerned about every dimension of your life. And so if you really just kind of dig into it, there's always another layer of application that you can bring that's going to bring enhancement to everything you do. Came across this quote. I thought it was pretty good. Disregard the impossible. Do something extraordinary. What if you had that mindset every day? I'm going to just disregard what's impossible. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk in and do something extraordinary. Now, extraordinary is going to be different for every one of you. You know, for some of you, getting up in the morning is extraordinary. Amen? (laughs) But think about extraordinary. What would it be just to take what you do one level higher, 3% more than what you did before? And that's what we're talking about, extraordinary. Staying out of that world that we always work in and live in and we kind of become robotic in and say, you know what, I'm going to take my life, my job, my family, my school, my everything to one level higher in my life. And, you know, we are made to expand and to grow. God gave you limitless capacity in many ways to excel in your life. That means intellectually. I remember I went to college and the first semester, I thought it was just a paid vacation. And I came home with not very good grades. If anybody can relate to this. And my dad said, listen, let me tell you how this is going to work. My dad was a colonel in the Army, so he made it pretty clear. Uh, You're either going to do better next semester or you're going in the Army. Well, that didn't sound great to me. I found out how I could go from C's and D's to straight A's in one semester. I had no idea that connect, the connection was study. You see, your habits will sustain your focus. And if you have the right habits in your life, it's what you do every day that allows you to reach a goal in your life. It's not what you cram at the end for the exam. It's what you do every single day of your life. Do you realize that the past, everything in your past has prepared you for this day today? If you look back on your life, a lot of you have got some tragedies, some difficulties, some big wins in your life. Every one of those are important in your life. Now you might, you might focus on the negative and think, well, look at the negative in my life, and it really hurt, and it set me back. Yes, but it also made you a stronger human being. It also gave you wisdom and insight that if you tap in the right way, It can actually accelerate your life, and you realize that the enemies in your life, the things that set you back and discourage you, the enemies in in your life are what define you as a person. 
Because you look at that enemy, you go, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to let that person set me back. I'm not going to be discouraged in that situation. I'm going to excel through that. I'm going to power through that and do something extraordinary. Amen? All right, here's another one. Your expectations are generally true. If you expect little in life, guess what you're going to get? Let me just, let's try that together. What? If you expect much, what are you going to get? You see, your expectations, how do I live my life? Do I expect God to do something great? Do I expect that I can excel in my life? Do I, ex- do I expect that I can do something extraordinary in my life? You know, your, your, your expectations are generally true. Imagine if you had, had a son that was getting ready to graduate from high school, and you said to him, said, now, son, what are you, you going to do with your life? He said, you know, I, I just I like living here at home. You know, I mean, mom makes my bed, and you give me an allowance, and uh, you give me the keys to the car, give me a little, you know, little free time and to do whatever I want to do, and I'm just, I, I just think I'm just going to stay here the rest of my life. Now, there's a couple of things wrong with that. Number one is that ain't going to work in most households because what do you want to do? You want to see that person grow and develop and become a fully functioning human being. The other thing that's wrong with it is that you're stunting that person so much that they really never can focus on where they need to go. And every child is different. I'm not saying you have to move out at 18. You have to be a fully functioning adult at 18. I'm just saying that you want to say, listen, let me talk about dreams and goals. How, wouldn't you like to go to college? No, I don't think so. I'm kind of overstudy. You know what I mean? I've studied hard, Dad. I've been in school for 12 years. Now, I know what my dad would say, and it would start with his foot. <laughs> Amen? All right, but here's another truth I think I want you to get in your mind as we move on. We underestimate God. I really believe we underestimate God, and here's how it plays out in our life. Whenever we face something big, the first person we call is our best friend to say, what do you think I should do? Or you make this statement, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, where's God? How, is God bigger than your problem or smaller than your problem? Is God capable of handling your problems or only, is he only good for salvation? So we underestimate God. What if we said, God, you're going to be bigger than every problem I will ever face in my life? When I face a problem, I'll say, God, this one's yours. God, you're in charge. Take control of this. Let me give you some scriptures that are found in the Gospel of John that Jesus said about prayer and faith. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, your first objection is, hey, I prayed about some stuff and it never happened. Okay, have you ever prayed about something and it did happen? Stay there. Stay there. Do you realize some of the things you pray about, God doesn't want to give you because it's not for your best interest. Sometimes it's just the timing is wrong. But prayer, if you keep praying for something, let me tell you what prayer does. It has a self-purifying dimension to it. That means that as you pray, if you keep praying for the wrong thing, God's going to show you it's the wrong thing. He's going to put you on the right path, and you're going to start praying for the right thing. But you always have to have something out there big, and you're trusting God for it. Say, God, I don't know where this is going to come, but I'm going to get out on the edge of disaster and trust you for the impossible. Now, this is just the primer to the message. We haven't got to the message yet. I just want to kind of get you thinking about faith. Do you realize the only thing that Jesus ever really criticized the disciples about was having little faith? 
So I want to have great faith. How about you? How many of you want to have great faith? Raise your hand. Great. Okay, look around. Look around. You got, you got some good company here. Amen? All right, here's another scripture, John 15, 7. Listen to what it says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Do you hear a theme here? Does it sound like God's trying to get a message to us? Here's another one, John 16. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy might be full. Do you realize you get to John chapter 15, the disciples have not asked for anything according to this scripture. What are you waiting for is what Jesus said. Can I ask you, what are you waiting for? What would you like to see God do in your life? Right now, make a mental note, put it in your phone, write it down. What do I want to, what am I believing God for right now? Amen? Now, I'm going to take a, just a little commercial pause here. We did some of our Mexico teams back, and I've got a few pictures here up on the screen. All right, if you went to Mexico and you're back, I know some of the vans aren't back yet, well, just stand up. If you went to Mexico, Drew, some of you guys, all right. So pretty amazing week uh, that was condensed into 48 hours. So in uh, 48 hours or less, they actually built a home for a family. Isn't that amazing? So the way it works is the family has to buy the land. And if they buy the land and they agree to host Bible studies weekly in that home, then they get a home built for them free. And there's the family right there. We've got, isn't that amazing? Drew, any victories? Come up here and tell us a couple. First thing to say is we couldn't have done it without the generous um, support to make it happen to send us. So um, thank you all for making it possible for us. Shout out to Pastor Jen. Um, Pastor Jen and Brandon didn't go on this trip, but they, you know, sent us. We love them. Thank you for trusting us. And shout out to everybody who was there. Um, the victories, I think it really started with first, there was a few, there was two people that actually committed their lives to the Lord that were on our team that I think had been in this place of being, I know God, but I don't know if I'm really sold out. So even the victory of that alone to get there and see that. So give it up for that. Salvation. There's Pastor Nate. He drives a lot slower than me. Um, Heaven, we were gliding on, there was an angel leading us here. That's how we got here so soon. Um, but there was just, there was a test, so many testimonies. I'm thinking about Christian right now. There was a testimony of, um, it's actually really special because this whole building was built by that guy in the back named John. He's our electrician. John, raise your hand. John and his buddy Mark. And they are here literally every day doing something electric-wise. And to see them come to life and be praying for people, they prayed specifically for a lady who was, had a lot of back pain. They said by the end of the time that they were praying, she literally was like skipping away, full, full healing miracle. I mean, we can just go on forever. Um, find one of us, because we'd love to tell you the testimony, more testimonies like that. It was such a powerful time. Amen. Amen. You know, the great thing is when you see what we say we're gonna do, we do. And, uh, and be able to be a part of it. Because even if you didn't go, you were a part of it in your prayers or in your giving or whatever. So thank you for that. You know, I, I wanted to say this. The impossible is possible. Can you say that with me? The impossible is possible. 
Now, some of you could, could testify and say, you know, I'm going to tell you about an impossible situation that God made happen. You realize that's New Testament Christianity. It's living in that realm of the impossible, seeing God come through with the possible. I found an amazing connection that when I trust and believe God for something, God does something. But I tell you, there's always the fight of faith. I can't tell you a time where I didn't believe God for something, and I'm going like, I make this bold declaration, God's going to do this, and then in the back of my mind, I'm going, you think he really is? And I'm going, I'm just got to fight that little voice, you know? I just got to fight through that. Say, God, I am going to, I refuse to doubt. I'm going to fight through that because the enemy doesn't want to see victory, doesn't want to see me encouraged. Well, God has taken the, the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, And they've wandered now 40 years in the wilderness. Can you imagine? This was a route, if they'd have gone the direct route, they could have got there in about five days. 40 years. You know why they wandered in the wilderness? There's two reasons. Number one, they were leaving Egypt, but God had to get Egypt out of them. You see, before God can take you into a promised land or into spirit-filled living or into the, the, the full release of the miracles in your life, he's got to get stuff out of you so that you're ready to display his glory in your daily life. So they wandered these 40 years, and they were sustained by God. Even in their wandering, they were sustained by God. But then God brought them up, and they crossed over the Jordan, and they were going to face this fortified city called Jericho. And the amazing thing is what the scripture says, listen listen here, it says in Joshua 6, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. It was a fortress, and remember, the people of Israel weren't warriors, they were slaves of Egypt. They didn't have the skill of battle. They weren't trained, you know, in in, in warfare like, like those inside the wall. And it says here that Jericho is securely shut up. Can I tell you that there are things that are securely shut up by the enemy and you don't see any way into them, but God says this. Look what he says to them. Because the children of Israel, none went out, none went in, none came in, and the Lord said, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. You see what happened? You've got to have a spiritual eye to see what God has said is yours. Now, the word of God will reveal much to you, but God will also give you a word from his word and say, this is for you. You say, but I don't, there's no way. It's securely shut up. Inside are warriors. Inside are powerful people, uh, men and women of war. And yet God says, no, I've given it to you. So many times in scripture, God says, it's already yours. And then the disciples would say, what are we going to do? He said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. They got in the middle of the lake, the wind came up, and they said, they tried to wake up Jesus. They said, Jesus, wake up, because we're going to perish. They forgot what he already said. He already said, we're going to the other side. Then he woke up, and he spoke to the wind and the waves, and he silenced them. And they were afraid of the wind and the waves, but when he spoke to the wind and the waves and they obeyed, then it says they were very afraid. You see, you think a storm is scary. Wait till you get God in your boat. Amen? And you see, we forget what God says. If you know the word of God, then you know what God says, and you walk in the promises of God. You just say, I refuse to doubt. I refuse to doubt. All right, let's go on and see what it says here. I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty man of valor. How about that? A bunch of slaves are just told, yeah, there's mighty men of valor in there. Amen? You ever heard of men of valor? 
All right. All right. And it says, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. Now he calls them men of war. He looks at these slaves that grumbled in the wilderness, and he said, guess what? You're men of war. Do you know why God gave Adam the job of naming the animals? Because Adam had authority over the animals. The words that you say, when you take authority, empowers you. When you give authority to someone else, and what they say about you, they're over you, and they're, they're empowered over you, and you're, you're submissive to them. What you have to say to the enemy is, I am a man, I am a woman of war. I am a man of valor. I am, I am all the things that God says I am. All the things that God says you are. Ever, anybody got a little voice that talks to you? I got this voice that talks to me all the time. Drives me crazy, I can't shut it up. I just like, come on, Phil. What are you doing, Phil? You can't do that, Phil. Come on, Phil. Are you going to do that? Huh, 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 huh? And I'm going like, leave me alone. You say, you need help, Phil. (laughs) But the inner voice in us, it's meant to to be encouraging us and strengthen us. It's your spirit man speaking, and you want to, when the voice says, if you hear that voice, it's just saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. Silence that voice and embrace the voice of God. Embrace the voice of courage in your life, all right? So now look what it says. Your habits support your vision. You say, this is where I'm going in life. What are you doing every day to get there? Without the habits of your daily life, you will never get there in your life. See, a lot of people who are super spiritual, they think if they just believe God, everything's gonna happen. But remember, we're in a partnership with God. God says, we're, I, want, I made you in my image for a purpose and for a reason. I want you to be skilled at what you do. I want you to pursue what you have in your hand with all that you have, that all your work should be unto the Lord, amen? It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're in school, whether you have a job, whether you're a housewife, whatever you're doing, do it with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength because it's from the Lord that you will be rewarded, Amen? All right, now watch, look at this quote. I love this one. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. All right, now I want you to think right now. What am I doing on a daily basis that supports where I want to go in life? What am I doing on a daily basis that supports where I want to go in life? You say, well, I can't think of anything right now. Okay, then start writing some things down. Just start with one. What would be the one thing I could do? And if I did it every day, I tell people, I tell this to our staff, I said, if you'll take the first five minutes of every day and ask God, say, God, give me a strategic plan for today. Just five minutes. Your mindset now, it will all day long will be looking for a strategic plan for how you live out your life. If you take the first five minutes and say, God, I expect something great out of you. And God, how can I, how can I, jump into the kingdom with both feet and be blessed and bless the name of the Lord. You see, your mindset, and you know, we have this thing called an alarm clock. Have you ever noticed that? How many of you love an alarm clock? That is the most annoying thing in the world, and we've named it incorrectly. We should call it an opportunity clock. Come on, that was better than that. An opportunity, it goes off. This is my opportunity. What am I going to do today? What's God going to do today? Instead of, oh, no, is it time to get up already? 
I can't believe I got to get up already. You know, now we've had the, the two granddaughters, you know, spending the, the, the night with us for the weekend as they're off on a baby moon. And I, we didn't have baby moons, did we, babe? No, we just had work, just work. <laughs> now you get a baby moon, you get a push gift. Push gift. What is a push gift? Oh, well, you know, you got to have something for pushing. Yeah, you get the baby. That's the gift. Am I wrong? I mean, I'm old school when it comes to this stuff, right? Right? You get time off. The man gets a month off. Really? I got, I got like, you know what time I got off? I got like the time off that I had to go down and take her, pick her up, and bring her back home. Amen? <laughs> Can any of you men relate to this? All right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm in trouble already. Okay. Here's another dimension, what's happening. God practices this in your life. Practice it in your life and in your business and in your family, and that is this. Instill confidence in everyone. If you, if you try to take someone down to encourage them, it's a reverse effect. It's kind of like saying to your son, you always do that. You never do that. What you're doing is you're not instilling confidence. You're, what you do is you focus on what works and you say, you know what, I can't believe it how good you are when you do that. Wow, you know, this is how God looks at us. God doesn't take your sins and hang them over you the rest of your life like some dark cloud that you walk in. God takes your sins and he moves them as far as the east is from the west, amen? God takes you and he looks at you and says, you are, you are like a royal diadem in my hand and I turn it every way I wish, every way I can and I see every reflection of glory and every dimension of how I made you in my image. He calls, he calls these slaves, he called them men of war and men of valor. God looks at you and he says, you're a son and a daughter of the living God. Don't ever accept anything less than what I say over you. Don't worry about what society says over you. Don't worry about what society is trying to force you into. You just listen to my voice and walk in confidence and you instill it in everyone you go. Have you ever known people like that? Just everywhere, they're always encouraging. You know, Dr. George down here, he's the, he's the greatest encourager. You know, just try to get him to say a discouraging word. You know, George, George is just amazing. He started the church with us, and he and Lisa, and they've just been amazing from day one. And, and I, I always just kind of get shocked by George. I, George doesn't know I'm going to do this, so he, you know. I said, George, uh, like, do you ever get, like, mad at anything? And he's, no. Mm -mm. Well, George, you, you hurt any pains or anything? No, no, I'm fine. Would you rather hear that? Or this version of it, a non-George. Oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so defeated, so discouraged. Man, everything is bad and getting worse. Do you think that feeds life into you if you say those things? Do you realize the speech center of the brain is attached to your nervous system? And when you say something, your nervous system believes it's true, and it starts to respond based on what you say. Now, science thinks this is pretty cool because they just came up with this idea not that many years ago, but the Bible says the words of your mouth are either life or their death. And if you speak life over you, guess what? Your nervous system's gonna respond. If you say, I just feel so bad, then you know, you start to droop. Don't set up in church. Get sleepy. 
my mom grew up in the country, and they had a they had all kind of different ministries that we don't have today. They had one guy. And remember, they have no air conditioning. It's it's North Missouri. It gets hot. They had one guy with a long pole, and his job was to go around and nudge people when they fell asleep. <laughs> I would love that job. Would that be so much fun? All right. Here's another thing. Your comfort zone is your biggest enemy. I don't want to move out of my comfort zone. I might be miserable in my comfort zone, but I love my comfort zone because I understand all dimensions of it. When you just take one step out of that comfort zone, it feels horrible at first, and then all of a sudden you realize you can. I remember I was talking to someone about this idea I had for ministry, and this is really this was one of the biggest life changers in my life. I said, I had this idea, what do you think? And this person said, yeah, I think you should do it. I didn't realize I needed permission. But when he said, I think you should do it, I went ahead and did it and it worked perfectly. Isn't it funny how we depend on people to affirm us and how powerful affirmation is in our life? I think you should do it. And I went and did it. And it was such a game changer for me that I realized that, that I could have affirmed myself. I could have said, you can do it, Phil. But when another voice spoke into me, it was so powerful. And I want to encourage you to speak into other people. When people are giving you an idea, don't say something like this. Yeah, I tried that once and it doesn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that, you know, you're going to go down with that one. That one's no good at all. You're trying to build a ship and they're grumbling from a canoe. And they're telling you what won't work. Well, let's go back to our story. You see, the power is found in the unseen, not in the seen. You see, we, we, we kind of have tricked ourselves into believing that every, all the power is in the five senses. It's in our ability. It's in our resume. It's in, our, it's in what we've done in our life. The real power is in the unseen. It's in God, Amen. It's in God. Now look what it says here, Joshua 6, uh, 3 through 5. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. There, You see he's affirming them again. Go around the city once. This shall, you shall do for six days. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat. Now, if you heard that message, what would you think? That's like the dumbest idea I've ever heard, God. We're going to do what? We're, gonna mar we're not going to say a word. We're going to march around the city one time, Every day for six days. That's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. You see, sometimes God's plan for you so removes you from the process that you, you know it's God. Because if you were too involved in the process, you'd take the glory for it, and then you'd miss out on the growth of faith in it. So they're marching around one time. You know when they got back to camp, there was some, there was some talking. Like, what is this all about? Are you kidding me? Why are we marching around this thing? Well, I don't know, but we've got to do it tomorrow. We've got to do this for six days. You're kidding. I didn't hear that memo. Six days? Yeah, and it gets worse. On the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times, and on the seventh time, we're going to shout. That's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. You know... The plans of God are not unreasonable. They just far exceed your ability to reason. 
When you enter into the supernatural realm of God, God's voice is more powerful than your knowledge and your experience. So here's what you do. You've got to make your future bigger than your past. If your past is bigger than your present, you've got to change gears. Look at your life and say, my future is going to be bigger than my past. My future is going to be bigger than my past. You say, well, how can that be? I'm retired. I'm doing this. Hey, we just heard about a guy that's on TikTok. He's got like... Two million followers. He's 80 years old. He was a youth pastor back in the 70s. And he said, I want to try out this TikTok and I want to preach the gospel. He's called the old guy. John the Apostle was 90 years old when he wrote the book of Revelation. You see, do not let any, any stage in life you're at to be an excuse. Either you're too young, I'm too old, I'm too busy. Anything, do not let anything become an excuse for you. You see, make your performance greater than your applause. We had a good friend that sang opera, which I don't know why anyone likes opera. Anybody here like opera? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. Not many. All right. Anyway, he, he, he sang opera uh, in Manhattan. And, and I asked him one time, I said, I said Carol, what is, the, what is the key to a great performance? How do, you, how do you measure and go, this was a great performance? He said, you have to have two or three things. People have to cry, they have to laugh, and they have to applaud. If you get two of those three, it's a great performance. He said, but the mistake you make is looking for them instead of doing what you love. Isn't that good? Do what you love. Do it in the power of God and, and make your performance greater than anyone's applause will ever be. And then when they applaud, when they say great job, with humility, thank them. Thank you. I remember when I first started preaching, I, you know, people would come up and they'd tell me it was a good sermon. They don't do that anymore. But they, they, but they used to say, that was a good sermon, preacher. And, and I asked this lady who was my mentor. She was from Wales. And, and I said, Lucy, I, I, I'm uncomfortable when people say that. And she said, well, she said, you know, just tell them if you've been blessed and lay a bouquet at the feet of Jesus. I said, well, that sounds like you but not me, Lucy, but I like the idea. If you've been blessed, if your life has blessed someone, then put, always give the glory back to God. Amen. All right, make your contribution bigger than your reward. You see, sometimes we're always asking God to bless us, but have you been blessing others? Have you been pouring into someone else? Have you made their life better? Have you extended that hand and that love and that generosity and, and those gifts that God has given you to someone else and make their life feel good and important? Make your contribution bigger than your reward in life. And then shout your way into victory. You know, sometimes you just can't shout. Sometimes you got nothing left. You're discouraged, you're defeated, and the only thing you got left is to shout, and you're only shouting out of obedience. You're not shouting because you feel it. That's faith. You realize that's faith? 
When you can shout in the middle of discouragement, defeat, and sure, uh, and sure, sure failure, and you just go, I'm just going to shout my way into victory. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to shout my way. Look what it says in Joshua 6.20. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. Now, they're waiting for the trumpet. Remember, one time a day, back at the camp, grumbling, griping. I don't know where this thing's going. Now they're waiting. On the seventh day, we finally get to say something, and we're going to hear the trumpet, and we're going to give a shout. And they've been... they. Can you imagine some of the people that talk all the time having to be quiet for that long? You mean we actually get to, yeah, yeah, we get to shout. Oh, I can't wait to shout. I'm going to shout louder than everybody else. I'm going to shout so everybody hears me. I'm going to shout. And when you shout... With a great shout, it says a shout, with a great shout, look what it says, and the wall fell down. Now, the amazing thing is the way that God works. An archaeologist by the name of Kenyon went in, and she tried to disprove that Jericho's walls fell down, but she failed. And she went on to say that the Bible is one of the greatest documents of antiquity. But here's what they found. They found that the walls of the city, the design of, of, of Jericho was built in such a way that they would build this wall and then they would attach on the backside houses inside the wall. So what God knew, God doesn't just work by the supernatural unexplainable. Sometimes God works in conjunction with the natural, the physical, and explainable. So when he got everybody out there walking around for seven days, everybody's on the top of the wall and they're looking over. Now watch this. You wouldn't believe what these crazy Jews are doing. You gotta come up here and see this. And everybody got up on the top of the wall and they're looking over the wall and they're leaning over the wall and you realize that every part of the wall fell except the north side of the wall where Rahab the harlot who let the, who let the spies in, that part of the wall did not fall. Because God said, when I see the scarlet string hanging from the, from the window, I will not destroy that part of the city because Rahab allowed the spies to come in so they knew what they were going to do. And so here they are, and they're all leaning over the wall. Now the seventh day comes, and they go one time around. Hey, go, hey guys, get back up here. You got, you're not going to believe it. They're going around again. How many times is that? I think it's Three. Everybody's leaning over the wall. I've got to be careful I don't fall off this thing. Everybody's leaning over the wall, amen? They're leaning over the wall. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking. Now it comes around the sixth time, and when the seventh time comes, the trumpet goes, and the big shout comes, everybody knee-jerked, and the wall fell flat. Exactly what archaeology tells us happened. Now, whether you want to call that a divine miracle apart from people leaning over a wall, or whether you want to say there was a partnership in the miracle, I don't care. Here's the truth. The wall fell just like God said it'd fall. Amen. You may not have all the explanation for your miracle, but I want you to know God wants a partnership miracle. Amen. All right. The sound, the sound that they gave was faith. Are the sounds of your life faith? The shout was a declaration of the unseen. I don't know about you, but if the God gave me that plan, I would think it was kind of not a great plan. 
but that every time I walked around it, I had to reaffirm my faith. God, I'm going around this again. All I can do is trust you because there's no way this is going to work with me. There's no way this is going to happen. I'm going to go around one more time, God. Day three, I'm going around again, God. I'm going around again. Do you see what God does? Sometimes you got to seek and you got to knock. Sometimes you got you got to knock harder. You got to seek a little harder. Sometimes you got to kick the door down. Sometimes you just got to keep going. Amen. Got to just keep going, keep going, keep going, and don't give up. Don't give up. You see, you've got to see the end from the very beginning. God, I got to see those walls falling before they fall. That's what faith is. Faith is something you walk into. You see, faith is something in the future, and I say, this is what God is going to do, and then I walk into it. That's faith. Faith is walking on the borderline of disaster that if God doesn't come through, you're a fool and his word is a lie. you got to say it so when it's not so in order for it to be so in order to see God do something. There's no other answer. And when you do that, you, you go like, is there anything greater than seeing the hand of God work in your prayers? I mean, people go, you're not going to believe this. It's always the first thing. You're not going to believe this. God answered my prayer. We all say that, don't we? You're not going to believe it, but God answered my prayer. God did this miracle. You're not going to believe it. Why do I not believe it? Why don't we change it? says, you should believe it because God's answered my prayer. Amen? God's answered my prayer. I want you to stand up. And I want to hear the shout of faith out of your mouth. Can, you, can I hear a shout of faith? Yeah, that's pretty good. Let's give it one more and then let's sing unto the glory of God today. Amen. Let's sing unto the glory. One more time, a shout of faith. Yeah, all right.